Good morning, my church. It is great to be with you this morning. My name is Christy. I am Jeff's wife, and um, I was reminiscing sort of this weekend as we do this time of year that eight years ago this fall, our family moved here to start this church. Our oldest daughter was nine at the time. You know, people tell you those years fly, but there's like no way to wrap your brain around that, except now she is 17. We're getting ready to launch her out. She's a senior. She's a swimmer. She's gotten an offer from a great D1 school that she wants to swim at, but she's under a lot of pressure right now. So we made a commitment to her as parents that one of us would be at all of her swim meets. And because Jeff thinks he is the better coach than me, um, which he probably is, I'm like, oh, poor baby, that was a good try. And he's like, no, go get him, flip the switch, you know. Um, He is with her this weekend because it was a high stakes competition for us. She's actually swimming in the pool that Michael Phelps competed in when he was growing up. So I said, Allie, try drinking some of the water. (laughs) I mean, maybe his DNA is left in there and that'll help. So anyways, he is there and I am here to share with you today and I'm super excited. As I am counting down the months until I launch a child out of my home, I am experiencing some panic attacks in the middle of the night. The other night I woke up, I sat straight up in bed, and I'm like, oh, baby, we have not taught her how to like check the air pressure in her tires. And he's like, Christy, calm down, there's a sensor for that. I'm like, I know, but her car's really old, it might break, and she doesn't know. And so I'm starting to like try to like rush and have all these teachable moments of everything I might have forgotten to teach her. If you know Allie, she was ready two years ago to launch out of our home, so she'll probably be just fine. But as her mother, I feel so responsible. And that is exactly what is happening in the book of Hebrews that we're going to look at today. The writer writes this amazing, inspirational book to change the way people think about God. And at the end, it's like he's trying to throw in every single last bullet point he can think of before he ends the book that he would want them to have as takeaways. And so we're going to Pick up a passage in Hebrews chapter 13 at the end of the book in verse 5. And his first bullet point says this. It says, keep your lives free from the love of money. He implies two things. Number one, that there's the alternative to being free is being like stuck and enslaved. The other thing he implies is that this is not like a button you push, like, bam, we're free from the love of money. No, it's like the leaves. If you live near the woods right now, like me, like yesterday I raked them all away or blew them all away, and today they're all back. It's like something constantly that we have to do to keep our lives free from the love of money. Now, if you grew up here in America like most of us did, we grew up with kind of this mindset right here that I'm demonstrating with these popcorn bags. We grew up, from the time we were in preschool, we were told that if you work hard in school, if you make a name for yourself, if you do right, if you say no to drugs, if you try hard, that in America, you can kind of climb this ladder of obtaining and getting more. And years ago, our great-grandparents, they might have been happy with like a small house and a regular vacation to grandma's house. But no, in America, if you work hard, I mean, our houses have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. Our cars have gotten better and better. Our vacations have gotten more complicated. And we kind of grow up believing this mindset that more is better. 
We're in a series right now called The Good Life. And so let me just call out the elephant in the room. Two, there's two elephants today. Number one is this. I am not a pastor at my church, all right? I'm Jeff's wife. I have three people. I'm responsible for how they turn out. That is enough for me. I cannot take on all of you people. That is his job, okay? From time to time, he invites me to weigh in on a subject just to kind of give you a different perspective, and you'll hear why in a minute. Secondly, you heard me say it in the very opening verse. We are talking about money in church, which is not fun. You probably wouldn't have come today if you had known that, a lot of you. As Jeff said last week, a lot of us, money is our hang-up. And so when I read the word money in that verse, if you felt immediately tense and awkward, then probably money is your hang-up. Well, let me just let you off the hook and say this. Money is my hang-up. Okay, so I feel very awkward and nervous to talk to you today about my hang up. In fact, if you'd like to switch places with me so I don't have to bare my soul and show you all the ugliness of my heart and my thoughts, let's trade places. <laughs> all right. So I just want you to breathe. Okay, because you're hearing from a different perspective. I married this crazy man. It didn't take me very long to figure out that he is like irrationally generous. When we first got married, we had student loans, and so our grocery budget was $10 a week. He told this story. You're going to have to look it up on the app. I'm not repeating the steak, $2 steak story where I would not let him buy meat because we were paying off our student loans. I am that person in the marriage that tracks every single penny and where it goes and holds you accountable for it. And so money's my hang-up. I, I admit it openly. I married this crazy, generous person. I remember he came home once. He had a friend who didn't have any boots, and he bought him a $100 pair of boots. I'm like, baby, there are like $50 pair. Why did you have? He's never had boots in his life. I'm like, our grocery budget is $10 a week. That's 10 weeks of groceries. What are you thinking? So I kind of look like at that time in our life, we were probably here. And I describe myself as I had a, a lid tight shut, put a chip clip here of holding on to my stuff. And God started a process in me being married to this crazy man um, where he has been teaching me how to be free from the love of money. And I'm here to tell you, it is not a flip, a switch that you flip. It is not a one encounter of obedience and it is done. And so I want to talk to you like I would talk to my daughter before she leaves home for college. Just heart to heart today to say, here is what I am learning in this area. Here's what God is teaching me. And here's some very practical advice that perhaps you could walk away with. So I have some hangups when it comes to the love of money. Um, the first one is this. It's called comparison. I don't know about you, but when I have a perfectly good bag of stuff, I can be happy. I have my own hot, awesome bag of popcorn. But when I see somebody with this bag, all of a sudden, I'm no longer happy with my bag because theirs looks better. Now, Jeff's is going to talk about this next week. Why does God give people different sizes? And is that fair or not fair? And why would God ever do that? But, you know, once you've seen this, you don't ever want this. Again, how many of you have this, by the way? This big popcorn? You know, you don't ever need to buy this because this is like seven bucks or something ridiculous. And you can have this for 20 cents more. And now for like $25, you can take this home and fill it up. If you remember to bring it back with you, you can fill it up for three bucks every time you go back. 
unless, how many of you have actually eaten a whole bucket yourself? Anybody? Listen, people, just because something is edible does not mean that it is food. Somebody in my house ate this. It, is, it does not digest so easily. And if you leave it on your counter for a month, which has happened at our house before, no mold grows on this. I don't know what it is. It is edible, but it does not change form or function in a month, which means it cannot be food. All right? So a little person in my house ate this whole bucket himself, and about 3 in the morning I heard, Mama, I'm going to throw up. And so, you know, moms, how you are in the middle of the night, and it's dark, and you're clean. I grab the quickest thing I can find, and I run upstairs, and I get there just in time for him to blah. See, this is our 2015 bucket, because 2016 got hurled into, all right? You know, I just saw yesterday you can turn in your 2016 bucket early and have it recycled. So I just encourage you, if you buy a recycled 2017 bucket, you'll never know if it was the Murphy hurl bucket or not. <laughs> You might want to go back to that one and just be happy with a little bit. Um, comparison. It is one of my biggest traps. I'm happy with what I have. I can have a new outfit and be so excited until I see your new outfit. That's way cuter than my new outfit. How, where did you get that? Comparison. It's one of, it's, a friend of mine says, comparison is the thief of joy. And it is. It's something that keeps us from having the good life that we were intended to have. My second kind of hang up about money is complaining. I um, have this problem, not only do I look at other people's stuff, but I look at my stuff, and it's always breaking down and falling apart, and I'm always very quick to complain about it. Like, for instance, I went to this walk-in closet this morning that had clothes falling everywhere, needing to be reorganized, and you know what went through my head when I got to the closet? I have nothing to wear. Ladies, we know that one. Guys, you're not off the hook. You go to the fridge, you open up the door, you see frozen okra and vegetables and butter and stuff that would take, and what do you say? I have nothing to eat. Somebody go grocery shopping in this place, right? If we aren't careful, we start to see nothing where there's a whole lot of something. How many of you have been to Disney World, the happiest place on earth? How many of you have ever had like a full-on, knock-down, drag-out, squabble, fight with your kids? You're hungry, you're hot, you're waiting in line, and you're in the happiest place on earth. And everybody's screaming at everybody, and it's miserable. And we're in this great vacation, and we're complaining about how terrible it is. Or how many of you are like me, and the whole time you're running a calculator in your head on what this is actually costing. And so it is not the happiest place on earth for you because you're keeping tabs of the bill that's going to come next month. Or maybe, and this is my third hang up, maybe you're the dad or maybe the mom and you're like, that's right. You stick with Big Daddy. Big Daddy's going to just turn a deal next week. I got this covered. Kids, you get T-shirts. You get the little Mickey Mouse ice cream. You get whatever you want because Big Daddy's got this handled. And you're my third problem, which is entitlement. You think, I work so hard. I deserve this stuff. I mean, I earned it. I said no to drugs. I listened in school. I worked hard. I'm working my way up the ladder, which is not wrong. But sometimes we get here, and what we've been trying to just open up in this series, that sometimes what you were taught that more is better is not always true. Sometimes you get here, and you're like, oh, it's not what I thought it was going to be. 
Or sometimes you get here and the bucket gets knocked over and you end up back here. And you're like, what is up with that, God? I mean, how come? And so in this series, we've just been asking the question, what is the good life? Sometimes more is not more happiness, peace, contentment, and fulfillment. And so we're just asking questions, and today I'm sharing with you very openly and honestly from my heart, and I'm going to tell you a couple stories and then share with you some practical verses from Scripture. Um, About seven years into our marriage, I told Jeff, baby, it is time for some real furniture around this house. I mean, we owned four-wheelers before we owned furniture, all right? He said, you don't make memories on chairs, you make them having fun and having an adventure. So I, seven years in, I put my foot down. I'm like, it is time. I'm done with my mama's old hand-me-downs. We're getting some real furniture around here. So we budgeted. We were wise. We saved up. We bought, I mean, I found the most beautiful, custom-made plaid couch you've ever seen in your life. I got extra fabric, so I had custom-made drapes. I got the big oversized chair and ottoman to match this awesome, lazy boy, leather, I don't remember what it was, it was a coffee table, that's what you call that thing. Um, I mean, I brought all my new furniture home. You would think I would be so happy, right? There was just one problem. When I put all my new furniture in the house, there was this one leftover empty corner. Some of you have, have experienced this. You have brand new stuff, you should be happy, but it's driving you nuts because there's that empty corner of your house. And you know it drives you nuts when you have guests come over and you say, oh, come on in. Y'all just don't look at the corner. We haven't really gotten there yet. Just ignore it. Nobody's looking at your empty corner. They're looking at your new plaid, you know, custom-made couch and your drapes. They're not even noticing the corner, but it's killing you, right? So I, I got a second job. I picked up some extra money, and I was saving up because I had been comparing to my sister-in-law's house, and she had this awesome, genuine leather chair. It was timeless. I mean, it traveled with her from house to house. I'm like, I just need a leather chair for that corner. I don't want fake leather, faux leather. I want real, genuine leather. It's expensive. So I had to get a little extra job, and I was saving up my money. And this happened to be the year You heard Ed talk about that gift offering. I'm about to tell you where that gift offering idea came from, and I was not happy about it. Jeff Murphy said, baby, we've been getting ourselves so much stuff. It's about to be Christmas. I think that since it really is Jesus' birthday, that maybe we should give a gift to God that is greater than anything we give ourselves. That is fine if you aren't planning on a big purchase like a genuine leather chair. All right, that's a lot of money. It was for us seven years into marriage. And so I was like, fine, I'm all for that. Happy birthday, Jesus, but just don't touch my chair money. And he was like, well, how about this? How about you go pray about it? I'll go pray about it. We'll come back together and see what God said. I'm like, all right, that sounds spiritual. Okay, I'll go pray about it. So he goes and prays about it. I go and pray. We come back, and here's my number. And as always happens with us, here's his number. I'm like, are you kidding me? He goes, well, baby, I want, you know, let me tell you, if you're married to somebody that money's their hang-up, you got to be a little patient with them, okay? If you try to, like, bulldog it and force, it, it's not going to fix what's going on in their heart. So here's what he said to me. He said, I am fine with that. We'll go with your number, Christy, if you can answer one question. I'm like, oh, i got to answer, I promise you. <laughs> he goes, 
did God tell you that number or did you come up with that number in black and white on paper? I said, all right, I'll go back and pray about it again. So I did, and God very clearly said to me, come on, Christy, trust me. Come on, let's just, we got, we got some issues here. You're a little round tight in this area. Let's just try it and see what happens. So we go to church. There was no app for it back then. Like, I wish I could have obeyed in the moment that God told me I could have just, like, hit that button on the app or texted to give, but no, I had to write the check and I had to stare at it all week. Then I had to physically go to church, sit in a, it was a pew, I think, not a chair back then. And I will never forget, I remember exactly what I was wearing. I remember what everybody down the row was wearing. That's how you know you have a hang up. As I watched my chair money, I put it in that bucket and I, you know, it says God loves a cheerful giver. And I'm like, it was not cheerful. When I looked at the guy at the end and he was smiling like, God bless you, sister. I was like, it looks like he's going, I got your chair money. <laughs> you know. And it, a, a piece of it felt good, kind of, but I, was, I worked hard for that chair. So as God will often do, and he doesn't have to, but often when we first start to trust him, Jeff says he's in the faith building business, not the faith crushing business. So the very next day, I think, I went to the mailbox, got a check from the mortgage company, escrow. You know those checks you never know are coming or when they're going to come? And guess how much it was for? The exact amount to order my leather chair. This is it. Y'all like it? I'm telling you, I was so happy. You talk about the good life. The funny thing was, it went in the corner of the room where I couldn't even see the TV. I don't know why I had to have this chair. Like, it went in the empty corner, didn't even face. But I would sit in this chair every morning. I was like, God, you're so good. I love my chair. And I just, like, God, you're awesome. You did this for me. And for a week, I was so grateful and so in love with God and so in love with my chair. Until a week later, I went back to the mailbox. And, y'all, this was before laptops. I don't know about you, but I can just be thinking about typing in a search leather chair. I haven't even typed it in yet. And leather chairs start popping up everywhere I go on the Internet. Does that happen to y'all? I mean, I just thought about it. I don't know how those marketing cyberspace people do that. This was before then. So I go to the mailbox, and you'll never guess what was in the mailbox. A brand-new Pottery Barn catalog. And guess what was on the cover? of the Pottery Barn catalog. No, the coolest upgraded version of my leather chair. It had like the cute button things in it, and it was higher, and it was wider. And I'm looking at the catalog, I'm looking at my chair, and I'm like, I got ripped off. All of a sudden, I'm not content. I'm not free from the love of the leather chair. I'm looking at the leather chair and I start complaining about my leather chair. Uh, baby, we got ripped off. Look, there is nowhere for your head. Your head cannot go anywhere. I mean, in the picture, it looked like you were going to fit in here with me. You can't fit in here with, baby, you know what? I've been working hard. It's, it's time to sell that chair. Maybe get upgraded to a new leather chair. Well, I think I got pregnant, and kids came, and kids came, and kids came, and kids came. And so the leather chair moved to the next house. It never got upgraded. It kind of went and tucked away into an office because it was not the center of attention anymore. And um, 
Jeff met these people that he told me he was bringing home. He said, baby, I met this family. They have four kids. He said, they have nothing. And at this stage of our life, we had good jobs. We had this amazing house God had given us, and we had three floors of fully furnished, amazing stuff. And so Jeff said, I'm bringing these people home. And I told him, we have so much stuff. There's no way we need all of this. At this time, I think we were starting to think about maybe coming here and downsizing. And so he brought these people into our house. I just didn't know it was going to go down like this. He brought this family into my house, my living room, my custom furniture, custom drape, you know, it's all looking like I planned for it to look. And he tells them, y'all just come on in. You pick anything you want. Imagine if I walked in your living room this afternoon and your husband said, Chrissy, just pick whatever you want. You just take any. uh, I mean, I am like gritting my teeth at him like, baby, like what about this stuff in the basement? Like not the main room. Do you know what she picked? She and her four snotty-nosed kids, she picked my custom couch, my custom chair and a half that two people could fit in and the ottoman, my coffee table, my kitchen table that was not even a year old, and the lamp. Why does she need the lamp that matches my couch? I mean, at least leave me the lamp. And about that time, I'm not kidding, Jeff goes, baby, wasn't there a leather chair that went with this stuff? And if you have kids, you'll understand this. They have toys they haven't touched for months. But when their sister wants the toy they haven't touched for months, do you know what they say? Mine. (laughs) I mean, it came growling out of me. Like, don't you dare mention the leather chair. That is mine. And luckily it was hidden around the corner, and I think I redirected her to the kitchen table, which I ended up losing. But the leather chair stayed. This love of money, it traps me. I don't know if it traps you. I don't mean for it to. I love Jesus with all my heart. I know he is all-powerful. But I have had to put some things into practice daily and seasonally to stay free of it. And so I'm just going to give you a little bit, of, little bit of practical advice. The first is this. If I'm going to stay free from this trap and love of money, I've got to get my eyes off of myself off of other people, off of my stuff that's always breaking down and disappointing me. And I've got to get my eyes on him. That's what Hebrews says. Hebrews says, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you have panic attacks in the middle of the night over money? You fear where it's coming from, you fear where it's going. Okay, I'm right there with you. All right, when we do that, we are not free (laughs) from the love of money. And I'm telling you, there's like seasons I'll get free and then I'm trapped again and seasons I'll get free. And so here's some practical stuff that can help us. The first is this, I have to constantly, constantly grow my gratitude. This one's easy because it's tangible. I can wake up and do this. I can make a list. A woman wrote a book not long ago, Ann Voskamp. She actually was about to take her life. She was so miserable. And she decided, before I do that, I'm going to list out a thousand things that I'm thankful for. By the time she got to like 144, God had radically changed her life. Go home and try to write a thousand things. 
I mean, people say that all of us are like waiting for God to do a miracle and we forget all the miracles around us. Like the sun came up. Like you have breath in your lungs. Like you walked here today by yourself. And so gratitude is like a, it doesn't happen naturally. It's not a gift of the spirit like love, joy, peace, or patience. It's a discipline that I have to discipline myself. Let me show you how it works in Psalms 100 because I think this is one of the most life-changing passages in Scripture. Psalms 100 says, Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship him with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. A few minutes ago when we were worshiping at the top of our lungs, proclaiming the truth about who God was, were you thinking about your money? No, were you thinking about your stuff that's broken, your car? No. Why? Because, like, we were fully engaged in the presence of God. And so for me, I have to, like, have music every morning because within 30 seconds of being in my kitchen, I'm going to see something I wish was different. It's just going to happen to me. So I, I know I have to build that into my life. The psalm goes on and says, Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. And we are his, we're his people, we're the sheep of his pasture. I, sometimes I have to just, in order to be grateful, I have to quit looking at myself and looking at my neighbors and I have to start thinking, I wonder how God sees me. Because truly when God looks down at us, I think this is what he sees. Y'all think you're living in the popcorn bucket? Y'all are living in a sample cup. <laughs> you're in a sample cup of what heaven is like and what it's like. And we're so worried about our three or four little kernels that fit in this sample cup for 75 years when we're going to live in eternity in his presence. Now, this is just a comparison because take this times a million if I could fill this room with popcorn. But I wanted you to have a visual of this is God and his ability and this is me and my ability. And I can trust in this, or I can trust in this. But there are some things that I have to do. I have to grow my gratitude. And here's why gratitude is so important. Psalms 100, verse 4, one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Come into his courts with praise. We're about to be in Thanksgiving week, so it's a perfect time for us to practice it. Do you realize that when we are thankful... We literally enter into the throne room of God. I mean, we are there. So you are having money stress and money fear and money pressure. Be thankful because suddenly you will be in the throne room where everything you need is right in front of you. And that is the good life. I met a single mom in a small group here a couple years ago. It changed my life. She was a military wife. She moved here. Her husband got deployed. He came back. They got divorced. He was back deployed, and she was stuck here. No family, two kids. She was, you know, to be frank, she was living in a crappy sample cup. Her life had not turned out the way she thought it was. She had a rundown car. She showed me something one day I will never forget. I went to look at her little sample cup car, and in her car, she had a jar. It was a mason jar. She called it her gratitude jar. And she said, you know, I have a lot I could be bitter about. I really have to fight the battle of not being bitter. And so when I pick my kids up from daycare after my sample cup jar in my sample cup car, and we're going to our sample cup apartment, 
the kids know when they get in that car, they better be ready. We are not going anywhere until they have told me one thing that they're thankful for. Like we write it on paper and we stick it in the jar. That transformed my life. I don't know about your kids, but my kids get in going, do you have food? Do you have snacks? Do you have water? You know, complaining and telling me, Miss Lisa has a bar jar in her car. She's got all this stuff. Why don't we have that in our car? That single mom, what she did is she entered into the presence of God before she took those kids home at night. Gratitude, it's a discipline, it's a daily practice. The other thing I have to grow constantly is I have to grow my trust in God. This one is harder because this one is not tangible. And I think that there are two ways that God has set up for us to grow our trust. One is very obvious and blatant in Scripture. The other one is something I've learned from my experience. I think that I can prove it from Scripture. But there's two ways to grow your trust. The first is found in Malachi chapter 3, verse 7 and 10. It says, Return to me, and I'll return to you, says the Lord Almighty. I love that because we can drift and mess up. And I drift a lot in this area. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough for you to store it. Now, I promised the guys I wouldn't dump this on this sample cup, (laughs) but that's the picture here in this verse. What God is saying is, I've set this up, I've I've given you a step of obedience that I'm requiring for you to trust me, not to freak you out or scare you, but listen, everything you have is from me, everything in the world belongs to me, I can refill your sample cup, I just want you to give me a tenth, 10% of what I have given you, I'm asking you to give back to me. Now we get asked some crazy questions all the time that go like, does that mean off of my grosser off of my net does that mean I have to do that like if I'm in debt do I still have to do that does that mean like what if I do like 6.5 percent is like basically what we get asked all the time is what is the least I can do and God not be mad at me all right I know because I asked the same question (laughs) to my husband what's the least I can do and still go to heaven (laughs) God not be mad at me if you're asking that question you're asking the wrong question It's not what it's about. God does not need your stuff. What he needs is your heart attached to him. And Jesus said it this way. These are not my words. These are his. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That means this. Your heart follows your money, period. You cannot get around that. I don't care what verse you try to quote. Jesus said, your heart follows your money. And so... I need you to keep a consistent trail of your money coming to me so that your heart will consistently be coming to me. I met a man who explained it this way. We have some awesome mentors that have five daughters. We spend a weekend with them every December, and we're about to see them again. The, the husband was the CFO of a Fortune 500 company for 25 years. So when we're around them, we ask money advice, and we ask advice on raising daughters because they have five of them. Three of them have been married successfully, and I always take a pin. And I remember when I first met him, he said, Christy, the best advice I can give you about my daughters 
and getting them ready and boyfriends and all of that, he goes, I would take the 10 lines we drew in the sand and I'd make it too. I'm like, really? Yeah, like curfew. And he rattled out, you know, what he looks like and does he have an earring and da, da, da. And, you know, he just said I would make it too. I'm like, well, what are the two? I'm dying to know. He said, number one, they have to be willing to spend time with us. If they're not, they're covering something up. Number two, they have to be willing to tell me about their giving pattern. I'm like, what? Like a kid that your daughter's dating? Yeah. I, I don't understand. He goes, it's simple, Christy. Your heart follows your money, period. I've worked with money in the biggest companies, Ernst & Young, in this country, and I'm telling you, your heart follows your money, period. And I am not trusting my daughter. This is what he said. I'm not trusting my daughter to anybody that does not trust God. And if there is not a trail of some kind from their stuff to God, he may give my daughter tons of stuff, and that's great if she has his heart. But that's not going to get her through the hardest times of life. What's going to get her through the hardest times of life is the fact that God has his heart. And that only happens through your money. I was like, whoa, we're using that one. Y'all, please don't tell Allie. We have not told her that one. When she brings a boy home someday that she's serious about, we're going to say, are you coming home for Christmas? And tell me about your giving pattern. <laughs> I'm going to see it in black and white before she says I do. I'm tell you may think that's crazy. But this is, this is the good life. This is serious stuff. And I know this sounds big and audacious. And so I invited a friend of mine who just a few years ago, she was like, don't invite me to church. She showed up at lunch, at a lunch I was doing that was a Bible study. And she's like, y'all, I'm not doing church. I will come to this lunch. Don't you invite. And God got a hold of her heart. She gave her heart and life to Christ. And then came the time that we were about to have a series at church on money. I'm not kidding. I called her and I said, Kelly, don't come this week. You probably will never come back. You're going to be very offended. She works in the corporate world. And so I told her not to come. She came anyways. And I, I want you to see her story and how it's progressed. Hi, I'm Kelly Bowie. Um, I've been coming to my church for about uh, just over six years now. I have had um, challenges. When I first started to come, I really was excited about coming to church, but the thought of actually giving my financial my finance, finances over was really difficult. I grew up very, very poor, um, and so having money is was security to me. I felt safe having money in the bank, and so, you know, I did the, the faith, trust step, came to church, and then it was now it's time to really put my money where my mouth is and really worship God by giving back money. So the first week I gave $50 and I thought, okay, I could, I could afford that. Nothing happened to me. Uh, it, we're safe. And so kept my budget, put it in my budget. The next week kept trying to grow upon that. It was really challenging because it's, you're making a sacrifice. So uh, I remember talking to Christy every year. Christy, I'm trying to give more. I'm trying to get to it because the idea of doing 10% right out of the chute was really, really hard. And I did a great job and it was very uh, blessed. But then I started realizing, wait a minute, every time I'm giving more, I'm getting more blessings, whether it's promotions at work or a bigger bonus. And then it would be really funny because there were some weeks where I was kind of tight and I would look and I would say, oh, I don't know. And I would still do it and I would give more 
and then a check would come in the mail that I wouldn't have expected I was getting from some settlement from five years ago. And so what I always found is God always kept filling my bucket up even more. And I always used to see the, the message and think, oh, I don't know if that's me because I've, I, was, I was always very poor. And I think now about how God has blessed me, it's incredible because I have I have a great job, great husband, great kids, and it, I realize it's not just the financial blessings. So I really challenge people to think about, you know, giving a little bit, giving a little bit more, seeing the more you give, the more he'll bless you. And what's really funny, Christy and I have talked about this, is I, um, I text to give from everywhere. I have texted to give from Ireland, Mexico, Cancun, uh, Costa Rica. Last week I was texting to give. We watched church in Niagara Falls, Canada. Um, and so we text to give everywhere. And it's a way of worshiping God. I love to press my little text button. And my husband said to me this morning, you know, don't you think that God has blessed us by letting us go to all those places to text to give? And when we did the account, I've texted to give in eight countries and 23 states in the United States. When I think about all my blessings, it's not just, you know, I have a house to live in and a car. It's that, you know, all of the things when I go to work, it's not because I'm, you know, I'm just great. It's because God gave me all of those tools. That's an incredible blessing. And I think a lot of us don't realize, you know, how many, you know, things are because of God. I've had a lot of times, and I've shared this, where things, I would pause because all of a sudden it was as if God was talking to me. I was going to say no to this job that I just took in Pennsylvania. And something, as I was writing the email to say no, stopped me. And I thought, no, maybe I should look into this. And I looked into it and it was an incredible opportunity for me. And so when I go to work and I go on all these work trips or I travel or things like that, I realized that that's God blessing me and that God gave me all of those tools. He could have given me tools to be you know, an athlete, a Victoria's Secrets model, that didn't happen. And so what he did give me was a brain in my head that I could use to make decisions and to be a market researcher, you know, wear a pocket protector, do statistics, but I absolutely love it. And then in doing that, I make a good living and I'm able to come back and, and really, really honor and worship him by giving a tithe every I wanted you to see a real life story and y'all didn't laugh at the last like the last service at the Victoria's Secret comment if you knew Kelly nobody laughs at herself more than herself I love her dearly and uh, what's been cool is to see her go from like no God and it's not just about the stuff and the trips I hope you heard beyond that like she went from like not knowing how to hear God's voice to like oh my goodness God is talking to me and that happened through her stuff and so increasing our trust in God one way is just that consistent. And you heard Kelly say, we're not about rules around here. Listen, if it's brand new for you, we encourage you to start like Kelly started. Just try and test him and just see if he comes through or not. Is he who he says he is? Do you really believe if you're trusting him for eternity, can you trust him with 50 bucks? I mean, if you've never tried it, just try. It's a way of like keeping your heart connected to him. The second thing is though, because... For some of us, or you'll find, I promise you, because his, it's the only time he ever says to test him. So when you trust him and he starts blessing you more, what will happen over time is that 10% is no big deal anymore. We set it online. I don't even have to know when it comes out. We never count it to begin with. So it's like it's not hard for us because we, we've been doing that for a long time. 
So for me, in order for me to keep free from the trap of the love of money, every now and then, I not only have to keep a consistent trail, but every now and then, I have to do another thing. Every now and then, I have to attempt something so big that God has to show up to be my helper. Like so big that it would be impossible. And there's not a way, again, this is not tangible. I don't know what this would be for you. I can't tell you what it would be. But for me in our life, God started pricking our heart about nine years ago about selling our house, liquidating everything that we had. And we went to our kids and we said, hey, kids, we got a great idea. We're going on an adventure. Each one of you is going to get one of these tubs. And guess what? Whatever you can fit in this tub is coming with us on our adventure. And JD said, what about all our other stuff? I'm like, ah, stuff schmuff. We don't need that stuff. We liquidated everything. Our house, our kids' playground. You've heard Jeff tell the story. Everything, whatever they could fit in one tub is what came with us here to Columbus because we were purposely choosing to move from this back to this. I was sort of on board. Oh, I was on board. I was sort of happy. I mean, I think I said, we haven't lived in an apartment since like we first got married 15 years ago. Do you know the happiest place we've ever lived here in Columbus was in the apartment where life was simple and the kids had one tub and, and I don't want you to feel sorry for us because last night I said, Ashley, do you have a tub? I need a tub for a service for this sermon illustration. And she's like, oh, yeah, you just bought me four of them. I'm like, well, where are they? She goes, oh, they're in the attic full of stuff that I don't need. I'm like, you have four tub in, in eight years. You went from one to four of stuff you don't need. And you have all this other stuff in your room. Like, how does that happen? So don't feel sorry for me. This is my story. This is what God told us to do. We came here to start this church. We started out in an apartment, happy memories, full of joy. It was a good life for us. It was fulfillment. God did awesome stuff in this church we never could have imagined. And then about a year in, we decided to graduate up to the next level, and we moved into a rental house that um, had mold in it and had cockroaches. We didn't know that when we moved in, but it was like the year of the swine flu, and all my kids had swine flu, and cockroaches were literally, Ashley screamed one night in the middle of the night, and cockroaches crawled across her face. And you talk about comparing and complaining and entitlement. Entitlement's really bad when it's spiritual entitlement, all right? Like, God, I am working for you. Do you not see me down here working for you? and trading in my stuff, and obey. I mean, like, I was mad shaking a fist at God. And then I remembered something my mother said to me before she launched me out of her house. I didn't understand it at the time. When I was a senior in high school, she said, Christy, I'm telling you, one thing I want you to hold on to. Give thanks in everything. She said, I know you don't understand that because we pay all your bills right now, but I'm just telling you, someday you're going to need to know. And, and it was like all of a sudden that came back to my mind, give thanks in everything. And I'm not kidding you. Ashley probably remembers this. We got down on the floor and we said, God, thank you for the cockroaches. <laughs> I'm so mad at you, God. <gasps> thank you for the mold in our house that's making us all sick. And we just, we, we just put that into practice. We just increased our gratitude for a change. 
And the very next day, Jeff came home and he said, oh, baby, I ran into somebody today. I almost forgot to tell you. Um, So-and-so has a house they can't sell, and they want to know if we want to move into it. Well, I mean, I'm on defense with God right now. So I'm like, I'm not moving my kids into another house that might sell next month. That will be four moves on these kids in less than a year. I'm not doing it. He goes, well, why don't you just come see it? Just come see it. He thinks it'll show better if people are living in it. There's some stuff in it, but we can move our stuff in, whatever. So we go driving out um, to this neighborhood, Callaway Woods. And when we get to the neighborhood, we turn on a street. The name of the street is Dakota Trail. That means nothing to anybody else except to me because before we started this church, somebody had given Jeff a Dodge Dakota. Anybody remember that old red bomb? That thing did not die. I mean, we put 200,000 miles on it, and it, it never needed new tires. It never needed the oil change. Nothing ever broke. The joke around our house is like, this is the picture of the faithfulness of God because this thing will not break. And so when I turned on that street and I saw the name of the street was Dakota Trail, and I knew that God had been faithful to me before with a Dakota, it was like peace and joy. And I thought, this poor guy has no idea that his house is not going to sell until God gives us another place to move. Because I knew in my heart that God was saying, Christy, I've set all this up for you. I've just been waiting for you to figure it out. And we go walking into this house. It was that some, we had people come one time for a party and they go, this isn't a house, this is a museum. I mean, the rooms were massive. We had the best parties in there. I went into the kitchen and I've never seen so many drawers and cabinets. I'm like, I have 27 drawers. I mean, if I do forks in one, knives in another, spoons in another, spatula, I got all these, what am I going to do with all these drawers in this house? And I start running around this house that God has provided for nothing <laughs> so we could save up and build another house. And I, there were some items of furniture that were left in that house, and you will never guess in a million years what was left in that house. A custom-made couch like the one I had given away, a custom-matching chair and ottoman, coffee table, a lamp, a kitchen table, which I still have, every single piece of furniture that that lady that I had given up to that lady, God had waiting. I mean, the house was huge and empty except for every single piece of furniture I had given away and a better, newer version of it. I hit my knees. I threw my hands in the air. I'm like, God, you're good. You're so faithful. I'm sorry I doubted you. I'm sorry I was scared. I'm sorry. I, you're so good. And then Jeff said, Christy, there's a, there's a basement apartment. You've got to run down here and see what's in the basement apartment. I ran down to the basement apartment, and you will never guess what was in the basement apartment. The ugliest leather chair you have ever seen in your life fake leather. I think it was white at one time, but it was like yellowish or brownish. And I'm not kidding you. It only took me 30 seconds from praising God to wondering, I wonder if I had given up my leather chair, if that pottery barn cute one would have been here waiting for me. (laughs) 
I don't think there's a verse for this, but I seriously think I'm going to get to heaven and God's going to say, Christy, come on into the room I prepared for you and there's going to sit my upgraded pottery barn leather chair. And he's going to say, Christy, I wanted to give it to you all this time, but you wouldn't give that one up. (laughs) I don't know, but here's what I know. If you go to the movies this week with your family, I hope you do, There is a container I haven't shown you yet that's going to hold more popcorn than any of these ever will. It's this right here. This scoop that reaches in and fills up everybody else's bucket, this is the one that is going to hold and experience the best life, the most stuff. And sometimes it's keeping a little flow of it going so that God can refill it. And then sometimes, and I can't explain this because your story is going to be different. God's going to say, it's time to do this. I mean, dump it all out. So much so that you would need me to come through to refill what you've dumped out. You don't have the ability to do it on your own. It'd have to be a miracle. And so for me, this is what I tell my daughter. Grow your gratitude. That one's easy. It's Thanksgiving week. Grow your trust. Keep a trail of something going to God. Jeff said last week, you can serve him, and that's wonderful, but if you want him in on your finances, you got you to gotta give him your finances. <laughs> you can't reap what you don't sow. And then every now and then, when that starts, starting to work out in black and white on paper for you, just ask God, God, I think I'm at that season. I think I, I, Jeff and I had this recently. We're like, I think we're getting lazy again. I think we're, I think we're starting to, you know, when I married him, I looked like this. And every now and then I start to do this again. And you know what happens? Something comes along and like pokes a hole in my bag and everything falls out. Most of the time it's three kids. And it has been a process of 22 years of God saying, Christy, I'm going to take you from this, and I'm going to try to mold you into this. It has been painful. It has been a lot of tears. But it has been a good life. A good friend of mine says, I try to do something every day that I know will make a difference in eternity. I don't know what that looks like for you. But I would ask you the same question that Jeff asked me. Just go to God and what did he tell you? Is it what is it an idea you came up with that you're comfortable with? Or is it when it's his idea, it's probably gonna get uncomfortable at times. But if he really is who he says he is, if you really but if you're counting on him for your eternity, he says that we can experience the kingdom of heaven on earth here. Let's quit living in a sample cup and let's start experiencing the good life, the fullness of who he is, his love, joy, peace, and provision. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you. And God, this talk is not an easy talk. It's not comfortable for me to give. It's not comfortable for people to receive. God, you didn't promise that we would be comfortable. You promised that you would be faithful And so, God, I invite you to speak to our hearts, challenge us. God, I don't know what it is. Each one of us are different. We're on a different journey with you. So, God, show us 
what is it that you would require of us that would show you that we're grateful and that we trust you? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Let's stand together as we get ready to close. I tell you, wasn't that awesome today? Man, big hand. Really needed to hear that, you know. So there's a couple things are about to happen. We're going to close the service by uh, the band leading us in a song. It's going to start here in just a moment. And uh, we're going to sing about what we believe about our God, that there's no one or no thing that's greater than him, that he's above and he's high above everything else, and that he's always with us. That'll be a good way to end our day here at church, wouldn't it? So we're going to do that, and as we do that, the other thing that's going to happen, and I'm going to invite the host teams to come down. The, the offering bucket's going to actually go through the rows as we sing the song. And some of us may choose, uh, based on sometimes maybe what we heard today, to, to give and to start trusting God a little bit. Now, if you are one of our first-time guests, we want to make sure you know that we just want you to be our guest. This is not intended to have any pressure or awkwardness about it at all for you. But some of us may choose to trust God with our stuff and with our financial resources. And if you do choose to do that, there are different ways you can do it. Referred to earlier, you know, the texting to give. You can use the new My Church app or the buckets themselves. Whatever the case may be, this is a way that we worship God. And if you're, you've heard what was said today and, and this beautiful truth that we learned, these great stories that we heard, and you might be wondering, I don't know about that, or I don't know how that would work, or I don't know what that would look like for me. I don't know either, but I do know this. God will show you what to do if you ask him to. And so let's do that as we pray and as we worship. Let's just see what God might have in store for us, okay? Let's pray together. God, we are grateful, and we thank you for bringing us here today. And we have, a, we have something we want to ask your help with. We, we need you, Lord, to do what only you can do, and that is to give us courage and to give us wisdom and to make us brave so we can do what you ask us to do and so that we can confidently declare that the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.